All right, how much would you need to be rich? Or what would make you rich? When would you feel like you had enough? Um, we asked this question. We asked it to a bunch of people uh, on Facebook. And um, we got a bunch of responses. I think at the time of me writing this, we had about 65 responses. And I'm going to read a couple of them for you here. This is what people said. They said that I would be rich uh, when I felt like I had enough. I would be rich when I uh, had more than I needed. Uh, I would consider myself rich when all of my needs were fulfilled. Okay, that's, that's a decent start. Um, I like this one. To be rich means that you can be without hesitation, or that means you can without hesitation, buy things no one ever needs, like bejeweled anything or stuff from Sky Mall. <laughs> Agreed. And then somebody gets philosophical. They say being rich is having the knowledge and wisdom of many with the understanding and ability to use it for the right reasons. All right, deep. My favorite one is this. Being rich is sitting at the end of a rainbow with a pot of gold, drinking a strawberry milkshake, and being able to buy everything my heart desires. Yes, conspicuous consumption, but it will sure taste good. I'm in agreement that it will. What would you need to be rich? What would rich look like for you? You know what, uh, you know what was interesting about what, what people said? Um, when we, when we you know, did this with everybody, there was nobody that said, like, I want to be a multi-billionaire. Nobody did that. Like, everybody had a little bit of integrity. Everybody was like, you know, I just would need enough. I just, I just have to have my needs met. I just got to have enough. Just, and that, that kept coming up, enough, enough. That's the interesting thing, right? I'll be rich when I have enough. Interesting thought. When I was a kid, there's this guy in our church. He collected hats. And, uh, and we went to his house one day, and he had a room that was just dedicated to hats, right? Like the size of our apartments, all right? It was this room, and there was like chains hanging from the walls, and there were hats on all these chains, and there was like hats stacked up against walls. And my sister, uh, this is like one of those weird memories you just always remember. My sister was like, do you have enough hats? And this man was like, I'll never have enough hats. And he put on a yellow hat, and he went, ha, 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 And I was creeped out. Like it freaked me out, like... I was like, who is this guy? But it gets to my point. Like, when do we have enough? Do we have to dedicate our room to hats in order to know that we, that we have enough? How does this work? Do we have enough expertise? Do we have enough friends? Do we have enough love? Do we have enough education? Do we have enough training to get to the next level? What's it really about, though? Do we have enough money? Money's the thing we care about. Do we have enough money? We're in our matter series, and we're saying commerce in the kingdom of God. That's just a, like a nice way of saying, like, how does our money work if we're going to be Christ followers? How do, we, how do we do this money thing? Like, like, how do we give our money away? How do we keep our money? When is enough? What does enough look like? Are we rich? Are we not rich? How does this all happen if we're going to follow Jesus? How's this going to happen? How does this look? We could get really practical here, okay? We could try to answer this in a really practical way. So let's try to answer that practically now. Uh, there's this website. It's called globalrichlist.com. You guys ever hear this website, Global Rich List? It's, it's interesting. You plug in what you make yearly, and it tells you how rich you are compared to the rest of the world, okay? Um, and so I, I went on there a couple weeks ago, and I plugged in $25,000. Let's just say we make $25,000 a year. So I plug that in, and uh, it turns out, that if you make $25,000 a year, you are in the top 2% of the richest people in the entire world. Top 2%. If you make $47,000 a year, if you make $47,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the richest people in the entire world. Top 1%. That means the people on Wall Street, they are protesting you. That's what it means. It means we have rich people problems. 
means there's many of us in this room right now who have some serious rich people problems, doesn't it? That's what it means. It means that if we have ever had a plate of food and we have not been able to eat this plate of food, all of it, and we have scraped some of it off into the garbage, well, then we got a rich person problem, don't we? If we have $10 in our wallets and we use that $10 to buy endless apps at TGI Fridays, we have a rich people problem. And we have bigger problems than that because you went to Fridays. <laughs> you know, we have rich people problems if we have like three or four roommates and we have a tiny uh, bedroom and in our tiny bedroom we have a bed and on that bed is a pillow and a blanket. If we have that, we have some serious rich people problems. We do. We really do. According to globalrichlist.com, we do. If you have a dresser or a closet, no matter how small, and you have more than one set of, of clothes in that dresser or that closet or one, more than one pair of shoes, you have rich people problems. That's just the truth. We're just answering this practically. Do we have enough? We have enough. We absolutely have enough, right? But here's the truth. We live in New York City. Oh, we live in Brooklyn. <laughs> and because we live in Brooklyn, if I say, how much do you make, and you say 25 grand, I'm instantly worried. <laughs> Because the truth of the matter is, that's, that's, that's hard. Let's just be honest. 25 grand here in Brooklyn doesn't get us very far, right? So we might be 2% in the, in the world, but we're like, you know, at the poverty line in Brooklyn. It's a lot different. Most of us do not feel rich. Most of us right now do not feel like we have enough. Those, those global rich list numbers, they mean nothing to us. So again, I got to ask this question. What is enough? What does enough look like? How does it feel? This Gallup poll came out. They uh, pulled a bunch of people who made $37,000 a year. They said, what is enough for you? They said, if we just had seventy four grand, we would have enough. Fifty grand. Ask those people. You make fifty grand. How much would enough be for you? They said, if we had a hundred grand, it would be enough. They asked people who made $2 million. What is enough for you? The people who made $2 million said, if we just had $4 million cash... We could take our $4 million cash, put it in the bank, give ourselves a salary of two hundred k a year and live off the interest for the rest of our lives. That would be enough, to which I would say, really, you think? It would be. <laughs> Seriously. But what does this poll do? This, this poll, it proves a point. It proves a point that, that we have this, um, this mentality, and I don't care how much we make, whether we make like $2 a year or 25 or whatever, the truth of the matter is we feel like we don't have enough. We feel like we never have enough. What does that mean in God's kingdom? What does that mean in God's economy? How do we solve this problem? If you guys were here last week, General Fisher, she talked about uh, the Israelites. I love the Israelites. They always make me feel better about myself. You know, they're, they're, you know they, they don't have it right. Anyway, uh, but we're going to learn from them today. We're going to learn a little bit more from the Israelites. Last week, Jen talked about how, uh, you know, the Israelites get freed from slavery and immediately they go and they build a golden calf because it's so much easier to worship a golden calf than it is to worship, you know, this mysterious big God, right? And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take another look at the Israelites and, and hopefully we can speak into, it can speak into us feeling like we never have enough or it can speak into us uh, wondering what enough really looks like, okay? So, so let's go through this story a little bit. You have God who, who frees the Israelites and they're out of captivity from Egypt and it's great. And God says... I have this land that I'm going to give you. It's the land of milk and honey. I'm going to read the scripture for you. Um, the scripture says this. It's in Exodus 3.8. It says, I've come down to deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring you up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk, honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. 
Okay. So Israel's like, great. They go and they check out this land. They scope it out. And the truth of the matter is the people that they saw were huge. They were big people. They said they looked like giants. And then in Numbers, it tells us that, that the Israelites said, we were grasshoppers to those people. That's how small we were. And so what they do immediately is they say, God, we don't have enough. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough manpower. We don't have enough weaponry. We don't have enough know-how. We don't have enough to take this land. So what you're offering to me is not enough. It's not going to be enough. And then they cry out to God. They cry out, a passion cry, and they say, we want to go back to slavery. Bring us back into slavery. (laughs) I got to imagine this is like the only time God was tongue-tied. I have to. Like, he's like... I'm giving you land. It's la- I'm going to give it to you. And they're like, no, we want slavery. And he's like, I- fine. That's what I mean. Like, that's what God did. Like, I took my kids to Disney World two years ago. And we went one day. And then the second day, I said, kids, what park do you want to go to? And, and they were like, we want to swim in the hotel pool. And I was like, why? And they were like, because we're afraid of the Snow White Witch. And my younger daughter couldn't go on Splash Mountain. And I was like, that's okay. And they're like, no, we want to swim in the hotel pool. And I was like, we could have done that in Paramus, New Jersey. Like, <laughs> we're here. We're here. And we swam in the pool. That's what we did. But this is how God feels. But, but this doesn't make any sense, right? There's like this, this, there's no sense to this. It doesn't seem logical. It seems weird. They want to go back into slavery. They have this, they have this um, captive mentality. This captive mentality. God, you're not giving us enough. And so what do they do? God says, all right, go in the desert. I'm gonna, if you want slavery, walk around the desert for a while. So they do. They walk around the desert. And while they're walking around the desert, they're grumbling the entire time. You've got to read the story of Exodus. Read it as a story. It's amazing. It's amazing. They're grumbling the entire time. God, you're not giving us enough. God, you're not providing for us. And literally, while they're saying these things, there is manna falling from the skies. Okay, God is providing food. You know what manna translates into in the Hebrew? It literally translates into, what is this? So literally... Things are falling from the sky, and they're going, what is this? We can eat it, and they're eating it, and they're going, God, you're not giving me enough. That's really what they're doing. This is literally what they're doing. There's a real big problem here. Like, God, you're not, you're not giving me enough. And, and, and so, you know, God had to, like, set up a mandate that said, you can't hoard the manna. You can't hoard the what is this, okay? You, you, have, to, you have to get rid of it at the end of the day. I'm going to give you enough. And then they're like, we're in the desert, and we're thirsty, and, uh, and God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Moses speak to a rock, and water is going to come out of that rock. And then when you read this, you're just, you know, your mind is blown because they're literally like dipping into the water and like, God, we don't have enough to drink and eat. And they're like literally drinking and eating while they're saying that. It just, it, it blows my mind. It's, it's unfathomable. And, and when you read this story on the whole, right, when you read the story of the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years, it's a really sad story. It's a really sad story. Scripture tells us they have to go in the desert for 40 years, and the reason they have to do it is because they have to wait for a generation to die off. They have to wait for a generation of people who cannot change their mindset, who think that they will never have enough, that God never provides enough, that there's not enough there. And the ironic thing is it's been there the entire time. A generation has to die. It's this captive mentality. We want to be in slavery. And and you know what's crazy about this whole thing? We laugh at the Israelites and we laugh at their misfortune and the fact that they did this. I have a captive mentality. 
I have a captain mentality. Now, let's be honest, be honest. In some way, do you have a captain mentality? You walk around going, oh, I don't have enough. You're sitting there like making hamburger helper, and you're like, I wish I can go out to dinner. Right? Like little things, little things. I don't have enough. We do it a little differently. Here's how I do it. You want to know how I do it? Maybe you guys do it this way too. Um, I say, God, I don't trust that you're actually going to even provide. I don't think that's going to happen. And so because I don't think that's going to happen, uh, this is all on me. It's all on me to make sure that I have enough. And so because it's all on me to make sure I have enough, I'm going to go out. I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to make as much money as I can. I'm going to get the apartment that I'm going to get. And I will not give any of it back. I'm going to keep it all here for me because at the end of the day, I do not trust you. I do not believe that you have enough for me. So let me keep it close to my chest. And really when we're doing that, does that bring us freedom? Is there freedom in that? I know you guys have done the same thing. Don't look at me with blank stares. You've all done the same thing. You've done this. There's no freedom in that. All it makes you do is worry about the next paycheck and what your next apartment's going to look like and if I can get the next best thing and if maybe one day I can go out to you and my budget doesn't look that great. I've got to get more. I've got to hold it here because it's all about me. I don't trust that God's going to do anything and we have the same captive mentality. Same captive mentality. It's all about us, right? We've done it. We do it all to ourselves. I've heard this so many times. Why would I give back to God? Why would I be generous to the church? Why would I do that? I earned it. I'm the one that has it. I worked hard for it. I did all this. There's nothing in it for, for, you know, God didn't do anything for me. Really? Really? So I guess before we were born, we like opened this giant closet and we were just like, ah, oh, there's the skill that I want. Great. Put it on. We opened this giant closet before we were born and we flipped through and we went, ah, here's the body that I want. Here's how I want it to look. I want to be taller than 5'8". That didn't work. But that's what we, do we do that? What about if we're in some sort of business? Let's say we're we're in business and we have to make astute and smart decisions daily. Like, did that just come out of nowhere? Did you start making astute and smart decisions like right off the bat? You became pretty amazing without any help, without anybody guiding you along the way, without any learning, education, mentoring. Is it possible that you were given the innate ability to make those decisions by somebody else? What about if you are a trader? You work in finance? If you work in finance, then you have made a lot of money for your company based on the ability to trade a half second faster than other people. And if you've done that, did that just come out of nowhere where you're like, wow, I I know how to do this. I did it myself. No. There was education. There was mentoring. There was coaching. Is it possible that there was a God that gave you the innate ability to learn that? Is that possible? You're a dancer, singer, writer, you're sitting there and you're like, I've, I've written this novel and it's the greatest novel that's ever existed and it's sort of come out of nowhere. That's what I've done. Or was there a God in some way that shaped the way you became a writer? Is that possible? There's this quote and it's by Elizabeth Warren. Don't say anything. But it says this. There's nobody in this country who got rich on their own. Nobody. You can build a factory out there, good for you, but I want to be clear, you moved your goods to market on roads that others paid for. You hired your workers that others educated. You were safe in your factory because police forces and fire forces, uh, because of the police forces and fire forces that, that others paid for. And I'm not trying to make a political statement. What I am trying to say is this. We have a captive mentality that says it's up to us. It's all about us. It's, we have to make sure that we hold everything tight here. We're never going to have enough when the truth of the matter is we've been being helped out, the, we've been helped out the whole time. 
When the truth of the matter is there are forces at play, there is a God at play helping us up so that our church, when we say everything comes from the loving hand of God, everything truly comes from the loving hand of God. That's a true statement. In fact, God is you know, so loving. God goes, hey, I got this land for you, and it's right over here, and we're scooping up as much of this stuff as we can, and we're holding it, we're going, it's not enough. It's not enough. So we can't be generous You can't give to others, because what if, right? I can barely pay my rent. How can I give to anybody else? Maybe that's true. But also maybe it's a part of having a captive mentality. I can't give to the church. If I give to the church, the church misuses funds and they mistreat people. And you know what? There's churches that do that. That's for sure. Yeah. Or maybe you're just making an excuse because you don't want to give anything away. You have a captive mentality. My nieces turned four last week. Four. My wife spent $50 on their presents. I said, why would you do that? They're four. They don't know the difference between $50 and $5. So you should have got them a $5 gift. It's true. But what? <laughs> It's true. But really what I was saying, and really what I was saying is this. I was saying, Jude, why would you spend 50 bucks on them? That's money that we earned, and you know, we need that probably for something else. Like That's seriously what I was thinking. And what a captive mentality that is. Unable to be generous, no matter how much it is, no matter who it's for. God says, hey, I got something for you. I have enough for you. And you go, no, you don't. I don't trust you. My mentality is captive, and I'm holding it right here. That's what happens to the Israelites, and they take a generation that dies before they actually get it. Can we get it a little bit sooner? Is it possible? Some of us. So how do we get it? What do we do? You know, when I was writing this message, I'm like looking for this like, you know, particularly spiritual angle or like this like theological point. I'm like pouring through commentary and searching and everybody's saying the same thing. It's really, really simple. Moses stands up to a group of Israelites who finally get it after a generation who are finally going to get to go into this land of milk and honey that God wanted for them all along. And Moses says one thing. He says, remember, remember. And it's a simple message for us. It's, hey, remember. And this is how he says it specifically. He says, when you have eaten and you are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. He says again, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Remember. There's no big like, Wow, like moment. It's, it's Moses saying, remember what I've given to you. So, so what do we do? How, how do we remember? Why do we need to remember? You know, it's interesting. Like, it's interesting how our perspective changes when we, we start to think and remember about ways that God has helped us in the past. You guys know Jen. Jen spoke last week, if you were here. And, uh, and she might have told you this story, but I'm going to tell it again anyway. Uh, I hung out with her about two and a half years ago before our church even started. And she came up to me and she told me this story. She's like, hey... Uh, I'm jobless right now. I just got laid off and I went to a career counselor and she's telling me the story and she says, um, she says, I was telling the career counselor how upset I was and how difficult this all was and the career counselor said, I'm sure it's difficult and the career counselor said, and she goes, no, it's really difficult. And the career counselor goes, oh, really difficult. Oh, so you were fighting somebody for a place to sleep last night, right? And Jen was like, no, I got an apartment. She's like, oh, okay, well, you've skipped a bunch of meals. You're probably weak and you feel really irritable, that's why. And Jen goes, no, I've been eating this week. And she goes, and you're 
really upset. And it was cool because Jen comes to me two and a half years ago and she says, I'm here and I'm jobless and I'm here because I just want to serve. I want to serve because I remember that God has given me enough. And then she started serving. Like three weeks later, Sandy happened. And I was like, Jen, you need a job? And that's how it all happened. You know, when we remember, it gets us out of that captive mentality. We're out of that captive mentality. We begin to see like, oh, wait a second. We've had enough all along. There's a story that I'm going to retire after this. I told it three times. I'm going to tell it the fourth. When I first started here, uh, there was a woman who emailed Brian Mall, who's the, who was the senior pastor over at our church in Manhattan. And she said, you know what? Um, I pay my rent on time, and it hurts. I pay my bills on time. That hurts. I put food on the table. That hurts. It's hard. She said, but I want to tithe. I want to tithe. And so Brian wrote her an email back, a thoughtful response, saying like, hey, you know, I know it's difficult, and do what you think is best for you. And so this woman, she begins tithing. She starts tithing. She's been tithing for about three months. And she emails Brian again. And she goes, you know what? She goes, I've been tithing. And, and on top of everything else I've been doing, I've been tithing. And she goes, I pay my rent every month on time, and it hurts. I pay my bills on time every month. That hurts. I put food on the table every week, and it hurts. But I have enough. But I have enough. Enough isn't always going to look the way we want it to look. Sometimes we'll be saying to ourselves, what is this? But it's enough. Do we remember that? How do we break out of our captive mentality? A woman that I talked to a couple weeks ago absolutely preached to me after church one day. She said to me, you know what? There's been days where I don't know what's going to happen next. There's been days when I think I might be homeless. Or there are days when when I know that that I don't have anything to eat and I'm not sure what's going to happen. And she goes, you know what? I feel rich. I feel rich because at the end of the day I get creative. I know there's a God behind me. And I'm okay. And I was like, you are preaching to me today. This is why I'm at church. I needed to hear that from you. Do we remember that, yeah, it doesn't quite look the way we want it to look. It doesn't look like the, the good things that we want. It doesn't look like the, you know, the endless appetizers. I don't know. It doesn't look like the things that we certainly want, but it's enough. God gives us enough. You know what's interesting to me? I'll tell you what's interesting. Moses is, this is one of his last messages. The book of Deuteronomy is this book of just poetry. It's the poetry of Moses. And Moses is impassioned. And he's talking to this group. And you know, people think it's maybe a million people. So he's talking to a million people. And he's singing and he's doing this poetry. He's, he's so passionate. And, and you, you know what? Moses is never going to the promised land. He's never going. He... Um, when, when God said, speak to the rock, Moses said, it's not enough, it's not enough. And he hits the rock twice, and water comes out. And God goes, Moses, I told you just to talk to it. And Moses said, but that's not enough. And God says, no, it was. It's, it was. You're not going to see the promised land. And so Moses is like super passionate, like super like, you know, remember. Remember remember when we were walking around grumbling? Remember when, when what was it was falling from the sky? Remember when I struck that rock? And yeah, this weird water came out, but it was water. Remember, you were rich. I was rich. That was enough. What makes us rich? What's enough for us? What is enough? Yeah, maybe we have to budget, but we have enough money to budget. 
Maybe we complain about our roommates, but we have a roof over our head. Maybe our floors are drafty, but we have floors. What is enough? And if we have enough, then how are we generous? How do we give? And we give the same reason uh, we give because there's a God who, who, even though it doesn't look maybe the way we want it, gives enough to us. And then we have this God who gives to us freely in ways that we can't even imagine this abundant grace. This is what Nadia Boltz Weber says about it. She says, I'm certain. Scarcity is not something that God fears. After all, how many stories are there of the Bible, of water? It's appearing from nowhere and a flour and oil lasting forever, and manna from heaven, and feeding of thousands with a couple loaves and fish. Scarcity is not the origin of the value for God. No, I think the stuff that's most valuable to God is that which God gives freely and without reserve and without end. We have a God who says, you know what? I'm going to come down and show my true character as Jesus. And then there's a death and there's a resurrection. So I can pour out my grace freely and with abundance. You will have more than enough. And we get to come to these tables right after I'm done speaking. And we get to celebrate. We get to celebrate this God who says, you know what? My grace is more than enough. I give it freely even when you think that I'm not a God that can be trusted. And I give you more than enough even, even when you say, God, I don't trust you. I'm going to hoard all this. And God says, no, no, my grace is abundant. You take that. God says, I'm going to give freely to you even every time that you don't believe and every time you say I'd rather be in slavery and every time you do all this other stuff, my grace is flowing and it's free and it's more than enough. So are we rich? Do we have enough? How are we going to respond to this free grace we've been given? How are we going to respond to this God who gives us more than we can ask or imagine? How are we going to celebrate Let's pray, guys. Oh, God, your grace is huge. I'm thankful that it is because, Lord, I have a captive mentality. So, God, I'm going to just confess that today. That there are times I don't trust. There are times that we don't trust. We confess to you today, God, that there are times we're so worried about what comes next and we don't think you're going to help us. So, God, we give that to you right now. And God, we ask you that you would give us courage to be generous. Courage to open our minds and hearts to what you may have in store for us. Courage to say yes to the land that's beyond us. And thank you, God, for the grace that you give us when we don't do it. pray this in your name.